In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almost every Saturday night or every evening service at that little esteemed monastery in Canyones, New Mexico, Abbot Silouan, who's like 6'5", and um, he's like a man of a different time. Um, he has this line he always says, and then you, you'll hear it here sometimes after Vespers on Saturday night. If we live through the night, Orthro starts at almost 8 a.m. or something like this. If we live through the night. And um, which brings up the, uh, you know, this incredible, like, depth of orthodoxy. And uh, it doesn't always, like, when we first hear it, we're like, ugh, you know? And if it seeps in just a little bit, it's so rich and life-giving. The remembrance of death is a spiritual discipline that takes a little getting used to. But once you give it a little effort, you realize how life-giving remembering your death can be. And after, when you hear someone say something that sounds silly, like, well, if something happens to my spouse, and they're referring to their spouse dying, if something happens to my spouse, you're like, do you have, like, any, like, are you under the impression they're going to live forever, you know? It's like, something is going to happen to your spouse. No? And yourself. And everyone. The Orthodox Church gives us ample opportunities to embrace the reality of the brevity of life. Even as a Catholic kid growing up, I prayed that prayer, now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep, if I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. That's what this is about. You know, that's what this is about. We have it in our Orthodox prayer books too. Not that exact prayer, although it's, that's, that's our prayer. I mean, that's us. Um, I'm sure that prayer is probably in some Orthodox prayer book somewhere. But in the prayer books we have, there's one by St. John of Damascus where he says, like, the last, you know, you've got Vespers and Compline. Like, you've got all these prayers in the evening. And the last prayer, it wants you to point to your bed and says, is this bed to be my coffin? And the next line, um, O Master, loves mankind, do thou enlighten my soul, will thou enlighten my soul for another day? Is this bed to be my coffin? Will you give me another day? Like, I don't know. I'm asking for that. But if we're sleepy and essentially healthy, we prepare for bed on any given evening, it seems unlikely that our bed will serve as a coffin. But it is inevitable that even if that moment is postponed, we can feel confident that that day is coming. Now, I don't want this to be uh, dismissed as monastic because that monk is saying it in Canyonis, or it's in a prayer book by a monk, St. John Damascene, or I don't want this to be dismissed as morbid. That's the part we have to like, that's what really has to be dealt with probably is, is this actually morbid or not? to like remember that we're going to die. Well, this theme stands out in a brief but devastating parable of the rich fool, the foolish landowner that has the bumper crop we heard in the gospel today. He decides, like he says, I, I preached last year about anxiety because he has this anxious, anxious question. What shall I do? Oh, I know what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns. I'll build bigger barns. And the parable changes when God says, Fool. Fool. I'll just read it to you so I get it right. Fool. <laughs> this night your soul's required of you, and the things you prepared, whose will they be? 
So is everyone who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. However alluring this, like, you know, having extra can be, the danger is that we'll kind of have this feeling like we're just going to keep going on forever. And what we have is ours. You know, there's a story of a rich oil man in Texas who had the pastor over for dinner one night. And after an early dinner, he takes him out to the fields and he shows him all the oil rigs out this side. And he says, when I moved here, I didn't have any of this. And now, and this is for you, Jim. All, all the Texas stories. Uh, and all Texas. Anyway. I didn't have anything. And now I have all of this. Like all these oil rigs. You know, and over here I have all this cattle as far as the eye can see. And grain as far as the eye can see out this way. And, you know, hills that just roll forever out this way. And the pastor says, what do you have that way? You know? Because the gospel says today, like, so is everyone who doesn't store up treasures in heaven. Which is, a, now we have a good question. How do we do that? Like, what does that even mean? Because it's easy to figure out how to store up treasures on earth. You spend less than you make, you know, and invest wisely or something. That's it. You just store up treasures little by little, and then you have a lot. Or you win big somehow, or you get an inheritance, or whatever it is. But how do we, how do, we do that? Well, it begins with this little thing. <laughs> um, we have to pray and start to grow spiritual vigilance. In the church's tradition, that begins with remembering our deaths. That's the, that's the first step in storing up treasure in heaven. And then that remembering that we're going to die, we can start storing up virtue. We start thinking of, like, what can be accomplished? What's the Lord asking for me? So we have a bumper crop, more money than we thought. We're not thinking, how can I have an easier life on earth? Like, it's a worldly spirit this gospel is preaching against. A worldly spirit. It comes in two ways. One is, I'm asking God to just give me ease all the time. So that's what the world wants. You don't see that with any of the Christian martyrs, any of it, like, going throughout our faith. Like people praying that everything would be easy. That's the world that wants that. We don't ask, we're not asking for everything to be easy. The other thing it shows is when the guy thinks he's just going to live forever. That's what the world thinks. So it's not remembrance of death the world preaches. It's forgetfulness of death. Ignoring death. Making death sort of disappear. You know? So we have celebrations of life instead of funerals. We don't have that. But outside the church. You know, it's like there's nothing about death. Everybody's good. You know, everybody's happy. We're all good. And the church is, I mean, we're going to come to what death is in just a second. But the church is saying, no, we've got to remember our death. The Christian practice of the remembrance of death needs to be the result of a lively faith in Christ who's the vanquisher of death. See, we're not, this is where the part we've got to get over, like the morbid thing. Because we remember, we sang in Orthros this, this morning. Listen to this from Orthros. No longer will the dominion of death be able to keep men captive. I want all of you to really hear this. For Christ has descended, destroying and dispelling the powers thereof. Death has been destroyed. Hades is bound. The prophets rejoice with one accord, saying, The Savior hath come for, for them that have faith. Come forth, ye faithful, for the resurrection. 
So it's like we have to make sure our minds are right with Christ. So when we think of like the remembrance of death, we're not thinking of like, well, I'll be nothing. We're thinking of two things. I'll be with Christ. And when I go to him, I'll stand before him and give an account of my life. But even that shouldn't fill us with like, oh, you know, you can't win for losing or something, you know. It's to pass through. Death has been resurrected. Death has been broken. That intolerable reality that we as creatures like pitied, like feared, that greatest of evils. St. John Chrysostom wrote this. What was the greatest of evils, the chief point of our unhappiness, what the devil introduced into the world? In a word, death, God has turned into our glory and honor. It's been flipped. Totally flipped. So with the words from Orthros and from St. John Chrysostom, that death has been turned by God into our glory and honor, we can like understand what Father John Breck wrote in a book called God is With Us about death. He said this, our physical death remains before us, certainly, inevitably, but it's been emptied of its power. For those who are in Christ, true death occurs at baptism. When we go down into the baptismal waters and rise up from them in a reactualization of Christ's own death and resurrection, baptism affects a new birth, but only because it signifies the death of the old Adam. So the daily practice of the remembrance of death, the Christian practice that allows us to further meditate on the overflowing love of God has been poured out for our salvation in Christ, the coming one. And this may take a little like getting used to, you know, but if we embrace the remembrance of death, you know, we took the teens out to Safford one time right before Christmas for like a little like day long retreat. And Baroness and Michaela, the abbess, assigned one of the nuns to, to say something to the teens. Because I said, say something to the teens. Some of you were probably on that trip years and years ago. And she had a list of, like, daily things to, like, to have in your life spiritually. You know, some prayer in the morning and singing, like, some psalms and, and keeping the fast, like, learning to keep the fast. She just kind of laid out kind of a spiritual... Go to confession. Don't miss the services. Laid out like a little spiritual prescription. One of them was to remember your death. And I may have said this to you before. When she said it, I felt myself kind of jump like, don't lay this on the teens, you know? Like, I know better than, than her. And here it is. Just It's all throughout the scripture. And it's certainly in this gospel today, you know? Tonight, we might not make it through the night. We might not make it through the day. Let's think about that. We'll grow virtue if we think our life is short, you know? We'll forgive everyone, you know? Our priorities will change, maybe. There'll be a shift. We'll only want to do what the Lord has. St. James, the brother of the Lord, said, Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we'll go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and get gain, whereas you do not know about tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we'll do this and that. That's why we say, like, you know, Lord willing, you know. May it be blessed. It's like that in that kind of character. Look, the Lord wants it. You know, if the Lord wills. 
whatever has happened up till now, at this moment that's at our disposal, we can accomplish what we haven't achieved until now. Like what's been given to us is the moment, like the day of salvation's today. I preached this yesterday at the baptisms. You know, this is the time. This is the time to like come back to Christ. It's the time to confess your sins. We're in the fast and we confess our sins during the fasting seasons. It's the time to come to confession. You know, it's a time to like, what if this is it? What if this is my last day? You know, what if when Christ is born, that's my last day? What if I've got five weeks? Now, what would I do with my five weeks? If we can think this way, we can start to put that treasure in heaven. You know, you guys all know my doctor said to me one time I had fewer days ahead of me than I did behind me. It was this. He was like saying, you're not going to just go on forever. You're not a kid anymore, you know. So here's the questions. How do we put treasure in heaven? Are you ready to give an account for the way you've raised or are raising your family? To give an account of what you've done with your talents and abilities? Are you ready to give an account for the way you're spending your time and energy? What you've done with your money? Or whatever the Lord has blessed you with. Are you ready to give an account for the way you're using your body and managing your appetites? But someday, fairly soon... Given how short the, the, our lives are, there's going to be a knock at our door. The Lord's going to say it's time. In Maruda, an Athenite monastery that I've been to and the deacon was blessed to go to on his trip to Athos, there's a sign above the ossuary where the monks' bones are kept. Which is that, like, They really can remember death, the monks do, especially on Athos, because they don't have these giant cemeteries. You know, they have really small cemeteries, like seven plots, eight plots. And when it's, you know, one, two, three, four, when they get to, like, they need that first one, they, they pull the guy out. And they clean up his bones, you know, like with wine and, and oil, and they put them where all the monks' bones are. They've been there a thousand years. The cemeteries would be as big as the island, you know, as big as the peninsula. So they have these ossuaries, which I've talked about before, and maybe you've seen pictures before. And they sound weirder than they are. But you do kind of take an account when you walk in. Above that ossuary at Maruda, it says, We too were busy, but we got interrupted. Because <laughs> that, that abbot there, who's actually, he's, he's, in, he's in repose. He's his health is declining. But in that monastery, that monastery, that abbot has a sense of humor, you know, as you can see. And uh, there's actually a beautiful video of him on YouTube. Uh, maybe I'll, I'll find a way to share it. It's just great. Yeah, we too were busy, but we got interrupted. We just don't want to be like that. We are going to be busy, but we don't want to have our death like interrupted. We want to be like, oh, good. You know, I wondered if today was the day. And it, it, I was right. Today's the day. You know, I didn't make it through the night. You know, instead of it just being pushed off and ignored. And we just like have like the world spirit. Just trying to be at ease all the time and push death away as far as we can. Let's remember what Christ has done to death. What has he done? He filled it with himself. He's destroyed it. He trampled it down. That's what we say. He trampled down death by death. So it's been beat up. Death has been broken. That is not something we should fear. There'll be a natural having to like come to terms with it. But if we started to live our lives where death was like 
becoming like a regular part of our life. It's, it's been changed. It wasn't meant to be part of our life. But now that sin has brought it into the world, the devil has brought it in. What St. John Chrysostom said, I'll find it, read it again here. What was the greatest of evils, the chief point of our unhappiness? What the devil introduced into the world, in a word, death, God has turned into our glory and honor. This parable, this parable is told to us because we fall for it. We fall for it. We get, we get extra. We don't remember the poor or anyone else but ourselves. And our life is really short. And if we had in mind our life, how short our life is, we wouldn't hold on to these things. We'd share it. So let's learn from the parable. And let's keep in mind our death. We probably, maybe even all of us, we don't know, have fewer days ahead of us than we do behind. All of us. We don't know. So, but the Lord is good. He's the lover of mankind. He took the greatest of evils, the thing that was going to get us, and he broke it for us because he loves us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.